Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Katz and Pot Reed. Yay! Welcome to our Work in Progress podcast, everybody. Uh-huh. We're back for another episode of the Cannabis Agenda. What's happening, people? How's it going out there? Hey, fellas. <sighs> yeah, what's happening? What's going on? I love that intro. It always makes me feel loved. And the crowd goes with, wild. Yeah, start off on that positive like ramp just into... Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> it's that like, I'm so cool, man, dream that I have every once in a while. I roll out of bed and I'm like, yeah, I'm cool today. <laughs> oh, wait, I was just dreaming. I'm not cool. Damn. That sucks. That's a big deal. <laughs> that really sucks. I'm not as cool as I thought it was. You do have the, <laughs> the privilege of being the host of the podcast and the virtual applause, though. Yes, I get the virtual yeah. applause. Applause. Thanks to my virtual god, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> What's happening, Jamie? How's Illinois treating you? Oh, that's good. It's as good as Illinois can be in the early summer. Or it's not actually officially summer, but you get what I'm saying. It's uh, it's hot and humid frequently. Um, yeah. I'm ensconced in my little box with AC and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's not exactly the way I prefer living, but whatever. It's it's I prefer it a hundred times over like ice and snow, so I'm all I'm all good. Just, yeah, uh, hanging out, just getting ready to start the summer, and got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of projects going on. You know, we'll be you developing been? a. Pardon? How you been feeling? How you how's how how you been? I'm all right. You know, I've had a few bad days. I was just going over our podcast. I just uh, I just want to say um, I'm excited that we are all uh, we're out there now and people can listen to us and contact us and get the podcast. And that's that's fantastic. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy, dude? We have uh, seven since last night. We had like 12 new subscribers on iTunes or something like that. So you're out there, people. We know you're there. You can't God. hide from us anymore. We're following. Yes. We know. We know someone's listening. Who are you? <laughs> what do you Come out think? Come out wherever you are. Yeah. Tell us how bad we are at this or how good we are at it. Um, seriously, dude. We, we, we're putting out a, a free copy of Reefer Madness to the first person who uh, awesome. emails us at uh, cannabisagenda at gmail.com. If you email us and we do not know who you are, meaning, Dad, you can't can't email or anything, but, like, <laughs> it, you know, but like if you don't know us and you email us, we will send you a free copy of uh, Reefer Madness. Um, and we can even send it on VHS if, if you want, <laughs> if you're still in the, <laughs> in the, in the, in the 80s or something. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I still have Flex Your Rights on uh, the original Flex Your Rights video on VHS. Oh. As a, I'm going to keep it for our, like, our Hemp Hall of Fame, you know? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But, I'm down with that. It'll almost certainly exist someday. Dude, it's almost summer here in NorCal. Finally have a nice day today. Uh, Just a note out to people, the days are officially long enough to put cloned marijuana outdoors, and they will not turn to flower. So, uh, yeah, it's that time of year. Throw it outdoors. It'll work. 
It'll totally work, man. Life's been tough, Jamie. I've been having to deal with a bunch of BS lately. Personal stuff, dude. I um, um, having a lot of uh, personal family problems. I don't really want to go into too. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too deep into them on the air or anything, out of respect for everyone involved. But um. Typically in the past, when I was a younger adult and a teenager, I would deal with uh, depression by using more booze. Which, Whoa, liquid uh, depression. Perfect. Yeah, totally. It's not a really, really, really good combo, man. And um been having some pretty hard times the last couple of weeks and have only had one beer in two weeks. So I'm definitely not uh. as loose as a as I used to be and am not choosing to use alcohol as my crutch through these times. I've, uh, ah, that's awesome. I don't think that's a small deal at all. I think that's a huge thing and that's a great thing. Uh, I think you deserve some respect and support for making those intelligent choices, my friend. Thanks man. It's, um, I, I feel a lot better than I, I, I have in the past going through these things. It's been a lot easier for me. Um, I've, uh, probably I've increased my use of cannabis a bit. Um, since everything's been going down, but I haven't really noticed too much effect, and it, and it hasn't, it has not led me to any like feelings of depression or anything. So as far mm. as like using cannabis over alcohol for when you're having like serious like personal problems and stuff, it just seems to be working so much better, dude. You know, so much better. Um, so I'm. I'm I'm happy with myself for being able to do that, and uh, I think that if you guys are out there listening and uh, you got a lot of drama going on in your life, please don't turn to booze. It's not going to help you. It's going to make things worse. It really will. Um, I mean, you know, when people are having tough times, they they're they're depressed and they do things out of their out of their sorts. I mean, the other day I totally acted like a complete ass, and oh, no. yeah, man, I was I was at the AT, the drive-through ATM. And, uh, you know, nowadays they have, they want you to do almost all of your banking business at the ATM. You can deposit, withdraw, check statements, whatever, whatever. Well, I wasn't doing anything all crazy. I was just doing, you know, the banking that I'd normally do inside, just a couple minutes worth of banking at the ATM. Seriously, dude, it probably took me like four minutes. I wasn't like being like slow. I wasn't like lagging. I was pushing a button as soon as I had to push a button. Well, there was this aggro idiot behind me revving his engine and then he honks at me oh. at a really I love those kind of guy man you know and he and uh like like there's some sort of like timer or something you know if we were inside at the teller he wouldn't have been doing that but you know people just feel inclined to allow themselves to exert road rage in any way they feel necessary and so he starts honking and and I snapped dude I snapped I, <laughs> I had a I'd had a bad morning really bad day and I leaned my head out of my car and turned around and looked right back at him and told him where to shove it, dude. Oh, man. And then he, yeah. It was not classic pot green, Mr. Green chill stuff. It was not chill. I was, I was totally out of my sorts. But he was crazy, and he did the same thing back at me and starts honking. I mean, I was literally worried this dude was, like, going to ram the back of my car, you know, with his truck, <laughs> which would have been <laughs> – Totally crazy, and he was probably Costly. drunk. <laughs> right, he was probably drunk, but obviously not chill, and I know that after that, I had to go and relax with some cannabis, man, because 
my stress level was so high after that. And I, I'm not proud of that. Like getting to that point where you, where you just can get angry that quick. And all I know is like the use of booze through these periods can exacerbate that sort of oh, behavior yeah. even more, you know, it can bring it on. It can, <laughs> it. It yeah. can make it lots worse. It can make it last and stick around and ugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. You're preaching it to the choir here. <laughs> yeah. So I, some I went field research of my own. Yeah, dude. And and I and I, you know, the worst experiences of my life were during booze days and so I'm uh I'm glad that I was able to go and relax to a fat doobie and, and chill out and not be as uh stressed as I was. It definitely took the edge off and it was um uh, it was it was pretty much like nearly like you know psychological medicine is for me at the time and has been recently so it's working it's working uh anyways like i said we got what listeners guys we know you're there itunes we can see you subscribing crazy um let's see yeah, Facebook. the iTunes site looks pretty sharp do you like it i i do um i'm uh i'm i'm totally man we're on itunes we don't, we're still trying to figure out what we're doing here, people. We need you to help us so that the reason that you're subscribing isn't necessarily because we're some like crazy awesome show or anything at this point. We're evolving. This is an organic process. But we know that you're out there looking for something relating to cannabis that you can listen to and enjoy. And we want to be that for you, and we think that we need your help to get to that point. So you need to email us. Uh, cannabisagenda at gmail.com. Tell us what you're wanting to hear, what you think about what we're saying. Help us with some direction. Give us ideas. When we're wrong about something, let us know. We want to correct where we're wrong. We want to, we want to provide valuable in, and accurate information in a timely manner, and we want, to, we want this to be fun and interactive. So check us out at cannabisagenda.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We had 32 views last week, but no friend requests. Come on, befriend us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We have individual accounts on Twitter and a Cannabis Agenda account on Twitter. And you can call us at 707-654-CAN. CAN is C-A-N-N. Um, am I missing any of our contact info there? That's it, right, guys? I don't think so. You got Twitter, right? And you did uh I got the Twitter. Email, I got the Twitter. yeah. We're tweeting on the Twitter constantly. If we, if we <laughs> want to confuse people, we could give them our new email address. We have a new one? Well, it's the, uh, the the more formal info at CannabisAgenda.com. Oh, see, virtual God didn't write that in my Bible today. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. It wasn't uh, – the prophet hasn't told me yet. So, all right. Cool. Well, so well, go. We got a new email, Matt. That's awesome. Our engineer and uh, producer is definitely takes care of us on the technological trip. We'll definitely try to be uh, as 21st century as possible for you, and that's all because of Matt, the virtual god oh, of the cannabis agenda. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the agenda today? Where are we at? We got let's start off in Arizona for the stoners in Arizona. What you got going on over there, Jamie? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, in Arizona, it looks like, you know, they've been trying to get this uh, this medical cannabis thing um, get straight out there in, in Arizona for quite some time now. And actually, now that I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm realizing, you know, what are you talking about, dude? They're trying to do that everywhere. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. still doing it in California, but, you know, uh, 
for the fourth time, Arizonans will decide in this November um, whether people with certain ailments should be able to legally use cannabis. The Secretary of State's office confirmed last Tuesday that backers of the latest medical marijuana initiative had enough valid signatures on their petitions to be on the ballot. So here we go again, and hopefully this will get through and everything will be done. I don't know. The problem they have there is that uh, the the ugliest problem that this type of legislation meets up, and it's just this disgruntled, angry, kind of bitter governor that says, no way. So we'll see how this works. I don't know uh, where this governor is. She's an angry, angry lady. She doesn't yeah. like people, I don't think. Well, I don't know. know. She's putting into place a, a, a thing that says, show me your papers. And that's that's enough for me to... Uh, I'll show you my papers. I'll roll a big fatty right in front of you, lady. You want to see some papers? Hey, puff on this. Say, hey, what's up? Yeah, I don't know about her, dude. She seems kind of... Uh, Reptilian to me, slightly, but you know, whatever. She could um, be a robot. This just in. Moving on, this one uh, just in from uh, Mike Mino. He, uh, Mike Mino, of course, from uh, Marijuana Policy Project. He, uh, he's been uh, blogging quite a bit lately. Some pretty good stuff. So I want to thank Mike for his help and all the things that he's doing out there. Um, he doesn't even know he's helping us. I didn't say, hey, Mike, give me some stuff. You know, we're just aggregating this news and uh, you can go to MPP.org and check a lot of a lot of information out that you probably need to know. So I would encourage you to do that. And, uh, you know, if it's possible, maybe you can leave a few dollars behind when you leave. Um, that would be even, be even better. Um, these guys are the, probably the one of the, if not the most effective organ national organizations um, involved with cannabis uh, policy reform. So, you know, help them uh, carry the torch for us all. Um, Mike just you, uh, in his latest. Moving, I'm sorry, go ahead. Are you moving on to the Rocky Mountain High here? Is this Colorado news uh, we're doing? Is that what we're moving is, into? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it sort of is actually. Um, do you want to go uh, go with some Colorado stuff first, or? Well, uh, I, I just thought that's what you were getting into, Mike. His oh, uh, child endangerment out. thing. I thought that's what that's you were doing. One. That's it the sure one. Is. It's a Colorado Court of Appeals story, right? I don't know that that's actually – that's not federal. Is that the state state Court of Appeals or is it federal? Um, yeah, this is just the state. It's, okay, uh, cool. It's a, it's a darn good start for us, and it's a good place to start, um, which makes actually no sense, to be frank about it. Um, any state is a good state to start. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that the federal government is the best place to start, but you know they're, they're so slow, we're forced to start state by state. And luckily, um, Mike uh, Mino writes, um, a ruling last week from the Colorado Court of Appeals may help prevent future instances, at least in Colorado – of uh, people having their child taken away under child endangerment court rules um, based just on their uh, association with cannabis, not being, you know, like a medical marijuana or legitimate association with cannabis. Right. Um, so, like, if I was going through, like, divorce court, I couldn't be like, yeah, my wife, she uses medical marijuana, therefore she's unfit to raise our children and then automatically yes. um, get the well, child or whatever is, is the, the Where famous case we've been talking about quite a bit lately um, down in Columbia, Missouri with that SWAT team and the dogs and the pink sweater and, you know, that one. Um, yeah. And a halfway decent police chief. Well, they uh, evidently, the I think probably due to the magnitude of, of how heinously they screwed up that operation, the police uh, filed charges or 
papers to try to um, take away their child um, based on this child endangerment court rules because of their association with cannabis. Because so, they uh, had a pipe in their house with some yeah, resin yeah. in it? Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whoa. Uh, you guys, if you haven't followed that, do you want to Google? That's something you want to check up on. Columbia, Missouri, mm-hmm. SWAT, dog murder. Um, it's a yeah. crazy story. Check it out. It's ongoing, too. Um, yeah. Uh, but getting back to Colorado, in a two-to-one decision, the three-judge court ruled um, that the a parent's use of medical cannabis does not necessarily lead to child endangerment, and that the impact of a parent's medical cannabis use on a child should be determined on a case-by-case basis, which is awesome. It should always have been that way. Um, I think that some people that roll big, fat, Cheech and Chong prop joints and make their kids smoke them, which hopefully there isn't anybody that does that. But people do stupid stuff if they're in danger, if they're truly endangering their children or they're truly causing, you know, some sort of uh, like forcing them to use cannabis, you know, when they don't want to or are not supposed to or, you know, whatever the case is, then that's a, that's another that's another story. That's child endangerment. And I think everybody would want that child to be safe and they're in an unsafe environment. And that's bogus. But. Other than, you know, barring those type of instances, which I think is a extreme minority of the time, you know, I, why would that be? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why would that be child endangerment in the first place? I don't get it. I mean, you're not. How are you? I wish they would explain. How are you endangering a child? I don't know. Well, I've never um, heard that. The only way I could think of it would be is if you're just constantly puffing a heavy amount of ganja around your kid indoors and subjecting them to secondhand marijuana smoke, you know. Um, But, I mean, uh, if you're just a a, a patient and you use it responsibly or even a non-patient, I don't even care, patient, non-patient, whatever. If you're a cannabis user and you're using it responsibly, like you're not getting your kid high – and you're educating your children about it and comparing it to society, society's norms like alcohol and that sort of stuff. I mean, you can totally use marijuana responsibly and have children. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't for the life of me think of what, how it automatically could constitute you being, you know, unfit to parent or child yeah. endangerment. Like it, it well, doesn't make Well, they're saying sense. that you're, you're willfully exposed to, um, a Schedule One substance, which you know, yeah, is that's, that's right. Schedule like One's the problem here. Come on, you know. Yeah, yeah Schedule yeah. One's the problem. This is another federal government issue again, where the federal government turns their head to all of the all of the different studies that are out there pointing that cannabis has medicinal use can has you know good medicinal use so um I, again we we got to really hope that uh that someday they're going to be willing to look at this again and, and and change change marijuana schedule 1 because uh it's just not fair to to take people's kids away from them because they use pot it's just not fair dude it's really wrong yeah. you know yep Well, the court said, uh, I quote, I quote them. They said that um, in this case, it was about a father that had to get drug tested. And I guess his ex or divorced, it was his divorced wife that asked the judge to, um, I guess, uh, 
I don't know if she turned him in or asked or was trying to help him. But anyway, that's how the, the generally how the case was was going that brought this to the attention of the judges. And they said they found that the father's medical marijuana use in no way, and I quote them, represented a threat to the physical and emotional health and safety of the child or otherwise suggested any risk or harm. So I guess that it would be the basic criteria for uh, child endangerment. And I can't see how cannabis has any of those qualities to it <laughs> unless you're yeah. forcing it on them or you know like you said thick secondhand smoke but you should remove yourself if you're going to medicate no big deal yeah the child I, or... I think california moved along these lines a while ago i've known people that have been through uh family court and stuff and the court definitely knows that they are um involved with the marijuana trade and um it's you know an issue in the court and i it, out here it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that it's child endangerment either or that um uh, you can lose custody of your child or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, family law, I, family law, and medical marijuana are two uh, issues that go through the court system now. More often, more yeah. often, there's lots of people out there experiencing this stuff. We'd love to hear from you and uh, get some personal accounts of uh, your experiences in court. If uh, you've had any good, bad, you know, any info would be great because it's, it's definitely a real issue now. The courts are at odds with this, and it's a tough situation for people in this industry, kind of forcing them out of the out of the closet when these family disputes come up, and then they have to start, you know, discussing uh, um, the fact that they work in the cannabis industry in a court. Um, I'm sure most yeah. of you could think it's of how uneasy that would be of a situation for for yourself to be in so uh big changes are um in the makes in, in this area of uh of law so yeah keep up changes at. all over in colorado man i tell you what? yeah they're they're moving fast over there aren't they what else is going on in colorado it looks like uh looks like uh hb 1284 was passed um which is a state level um, regulation bill for medical marijuana, and I believe that it's um, legitimized. We we talked about this last right, week, right, Jamie? It legitimized a bunch of um, dispensaries, but also made it to where a whole bunch were going to be able yeah, to get yeah. closed throughout the state. And mm-hmm. uh, critics believe that this bill might actually push medical cannabis further underground, make it go backwards. The legislation is still not signed yet. Um, but the governor, Bill Ritter, said he's gonna um, gonna going to sign it. This is a cannabis news um, story here. And uh, what do you think, man? Do you think that it's possible that when a state passes a new law attempting to codify, it'll actually move us back into more of a black market? Do you think that that is a yes. real legitimate fear, or do you think it'll yes. move it? You think you'll go backwards when when it's caught up? I don't think you will, but I think you can. I think it you could. think you can. Okay. I think you it comes talk. down to the quality of the legislation. If it's poorly written legislation, or it's negative or derogatory intent in intent toward the use or, or you know availability of cannabis, then that's that's not pro. That's not for people. That's not to allow access, uninterrupted access to medical cannabis for qualified individuals without the fear of arrest. That's what this medical scene is about. And yeah, if they write it wrong, 
Oh yeah, that's that's part of the end run that I was talking about, you know. And if you'll look, I've I was going through some news stories just yesterday morning and found uh, this one from Bloomington Panagraph: urge Senate to reject medical marijuana. This one from the uh, Cannabis News: medical mar- marijuana is bad medicine and bad policy. Talking about Illinois' uh, pending legislation. Um, this one from uh, the Sticky Icky: Illinois marijuana law should send. Uh, would send a mixed message, so don't 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 approve it. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, it, there's a lot of backlash, and this is no surprise whatsoever because it, that's that's what we're involved in here, everybody. You know, that's why it takes a lot of work and it's an uphill battle and it's been so difficult. You know, because it, it's hard to do these things. And if you make some progress, that doesn't mean I'm just going to stop and go away. Sure. You know. So, uh, heck yeah, if we we have to make sure that we're diligent about keeping up and staying persistent and consistent until we have solid laws that are not easily changeable or alter, you know, easy to alter, you know, that are more permanent. And what do you think about what what do you think, though, about House Bill 1284 in Colorado? Basically, it was a state level bill that codified dispensaries, allowing the the majority of them to continue to exist. So right. with with like future regulatory like guidelines and stuff, so that now it's more black and white throughout the state what you can okay. and can't do. So I, I guess what I'm getting at here is okay. So they'll end up closing hundreds of dispensaries throughout the state of Colorado, and so is marijuana then going to go back to where it's like oh well. No, they closed. They closed my dispensary that I was shopping at. So now I'm just going to start shopping with my friends again. Or do you think those people think so. will still go, go to the ones that are still there? Yeah. And the same amount of supply and demand will continue to exist, right? I mean, uh, at least that's I don't know. At you know, on the surface, what my estimation. Would What's be. the worst case scenario here? I think maybe you'll have a, a kind of an annoying waiting time, standing in a giant line. That's which it. would be probably less desirable, I would think, from a legislator or city or town or community or state leadership well, especially perspective. For, I think they would go, we don't want huge lines queuing up all over the place. Well, and really, really sick people don't want huge lines either. I mean, I will guarantee you, my friend, if you go down there with your little girl or you're, you're with rhythm in the car, he's going to go, Daddy, what's up? what are those people doing? <laughs> Wait, and then a freaking oh, – they're waiting on a roller coaster. There's a cult roller coaster inside that tiny little building. They're all they're all really happy to be standing there for 30 minutes. Yeah, a legitimately run <laughs> cannabis uh, dispensary, cannabis dispensary, no big deal. It's just a little storefront. Nobody's getting – the kids aren't going to go, hey, what's in that store? You know, that's not the way it works generally, you know. So, I mean, when yeah. you've got 4,000 people going down the street and around the corner – <laughs> they're gonna go what's going on yeah what's it's that? funny it's, yeah i mean what'll happen here inevitably is is the ones that get closed the ones that get to stay will advertise more they'll market more it'll be even they'll so. be even more in the light it's definitely right. not going right. to go back underground again in colorado i think that's it's kind true. of a crazy fear i mean look here, here, we're going to segue into this now. Here, here is how much into the light medical marijuana has become. And here's a, a clip of Eric Holder being questioned by a Colorado congressman in a congressional hearing, um, and it's regarding um, his policies on medical marijuana and uh, how uh, they determine whether or not um, 
uh, individual organization is actually following their state laws so they can determine if they want to prosecute them or not. Can you roll that, Matt? Sure, sure can. Here we go. The Mr. Polis from Colorado for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, my uh, first question is with regard to uh, federal uh, the policy with regard to Drug Enforcement Administration and marijuana policy, building off of what my colleague, Mr. Cohen, asked earlier. Uh, I certainly applauded and, and, and greet with Warmkin representing one of the states that has a medical marijuana law and regulates the sale of marijuana, uh, the memo. Uh, describing the intent of, of uh, DEA and U.S. attorneys. I'd like you to describe the objective processes that the DEA and the U.S. attorneys are using in order to make a determination about whether individuals are in, quote, clear and unambiguous compliance with state law. How is that determined? Well, it's done on a, you know, uh, people get, I guess, tired of hearing this, but it is true. It's done on a case-by-case -case basis. <clears throat> um, we look at the state laws and what the restrictions are, what the um, how the law is how the law is constructed, and then there are a number of factors in that memo um, that are are guides. Um, are is marijuana being sold consistent with state law? Um, are arms are people are firearms um, somehow associated with the, the, the sale? There are a variety of factors that are contained within um, the memo that went out from the Deputy Attorney General that um, United States attorneys and assistant United States attorneys are supposed to um, apply, supposed to consider when trying to make the determination about whether or not federal resources are going to be used to uh, to go after somebody who is um, dealing in marijuana. I would certainly encourage that uh, the question of whether it's or not is consistent with state law certainly be left to. Uh, state enforcement actions. In particular, I uh, brought to your concern uh, in a letter of February 23rd requesting a clarification of your policies regarding medical marijuana with regard to several statements that were made by one of your agents in Colorado, Jeffrey Sweeten, uh, along the lines of uh, the quote, as quoted in the paper, the time is coming when we go into a dispensary, we find out what their profit is, we seize the building and we arrest everybody. They're violating federal law they're at risk of arrest and imprisonment, end quote. I would like to ask what steps you might take uh, to make sure that the spirit of the, uh, uh, the enforcement mechanisms that you outlined to me in the answer to your previous questions are not contradicted by the statements uh, of agents that, in fact, then strike fear into legitimate businesses in the eyes of our states. Well, uh, it's incumbent upon me as Attorney General to make sure that what we have set out as policy is being followed by all of the components within the Department of Justice and to the extent that um, somebody at the DEA, uh, somebody at uh, some assistant United States attorney is not following um, that policy, it is my responsibility to make sure that the policy is clear, that the policy is disseminated, um, and that people act in conformity with the policies that we have determined. Would you be, do you believe, do you agree that uh, statements that could be reasonably taken as threatening to uh, businesses that are uh, legal in our state uh, are in fact contrary to your uh, stated policy? Well, again, if the entity is in fact operating consistent with state law and is not um, does not have any of those factors involved that are contained in that, uh, that Deputy Attorney General memo. Um, and given, again, the limited resources that we have and our determination to focus on major traffickers, um, that would be inconsistent with what the, the, the policy as we have set it out. Um, so in other words, case-by-case -case basis. To me, that means 
we're going to spy on every motherfucking one of you and determine if uh, you're legal or not, if we feel the need. Um, do you have guns? Are you a violent group? And at the end, he's talking about, are you a major trafficker? They're still talking about it like it's an absolutely illegal thing to some extent and not giving it the like – like the, they're not like looking at it like it's a legitimate business. They're like, hey, are you are guns? Major traffic? What what is a major trafficker? What if you're a legitimate business that sells a lot of marijuana? Do you consider that a, a major trafficker? Um, I think it was good that Holder is kind of taking responsibility for the mm. DEA actions in Colorado, but I think he's kind of, kind of circumventing it in that thing too. What do you think? Oh yeah, I totally agree. It kind of is maybe a little bit more generous than people would might initially imagine. I don't really, I believe just that's strictly my personal opinion, but uh, I don't really trust him that much. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Uh, he did say that it's his responsibility to disseminate the policy to the right. bureaus of the department, anyone connected with the department of justice. However, he did not go as far as saying they did not follow my policy. He would not right. do that. So I think it's because of the way they worded it. It's very uh, creatively. Uh, they construct these things very creatively where it allows them to do things and it still uh, props up the image that, you know, they're backing off. But they can they get that political kind of benefit clout from from, you know, the positive side that people perceive to be positive. And at the same time, they they've written in a way where it allows them to scrutinize people even more. It causes a deeper uh you know, they, they interfere with people's private lives even more than they are currently. Sure, and the, what they want to do is they want to say, well, what we're doing is it is up to us on a case-by-case -case basis to determine if you're following state law. It's not, the yeah. it's not the federal government's job to determine if you're following state law. It's the state government's job to determine if you're following state law. And Homeboy right. grilled Eric Holder on that and backed him into a wall, <laughs> and he totally yeah. circumvented that portion of the, of the, the statement-slash-question. Um, well. so, and I feel like for good reason. They want the right. They feel like if they want to, they want to be able to take you out for pot still at a federal level. They, oh, they still totally want to be able to bury sure. you, even if you're operating within state guidelines. Because they can. With the problem here is operating with uh, unambiguous within state, uh, you know, unambiguous and clear within state guidelines. Well, not all state guidelines are completely unambiguous yet, so they could take anyone down if they want to, because it's right. not completely black or white yet for anyone. Yep. So, um, yeah, so they still have, they have not, you know, for all of you that believe that, hey, this is just a free-for-all now, it's not. The federal government is still no. your enemy when it comes to cannabis. So keep on fighting a good fight here, people. It's, uh, it's very, very important. Um, and uh, uh, this week we'll stick, stick around the Rocky Mountain area for a little bit longer and find out what sort of, Montana mayhem has been occurring. Uh, we've been updating you guys the last few weeks on uh, the severe backlash in Montana. Uh, grower got beat to death, um, and a couple of dispensaries have been firebombed. Uh, I'm happy to say that since our last show, there have been no more violent terrorist episodes in Montana. Woohoo! Yeah! Thank goodness. Look. For all you guys that are up there, 
Uh, working in the cannabis industry, my thoughts go out to you. I'm concerned about your safety. Uh, take care of your families. Do what's best for you. Be careful how you operate up there because there apparently is a group of terrorists up there that are against you and um, might hurt you. And to all of you reefer madness cannabis hating terrorists in Montana who've been beating <laughs> growers to death and bombing the fire, fire bombing dispensaries, take a fucking chill pill and relax. It's time to move on to the East Coast Cannabis News. What's going on in yeah. Detroit? What's going on in Detroit, wow. dude? Oh, man, there's some interesting things. You know, we're, we're looking at California. It's got all this attention because it might, uh, you know, legalize uh, small amounts of personal use cannabis for adults. And that's a huge deal. It's actually national and even global news all over the place. People are talking about this. Um, but out, out from the, 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 the quiet backwoods of the Midwest comes uh, a new ballot initiative um, in Detroit. Um, this was supported by a local group called Coalition for a Safer Detroit. They turned in more than 6,000 signatures to place this initiative on November's ballot. And this uh, ballot initiative would make it legal for adults to possess up to one ounce of marijuana for personal use. Um, and it has been certified by ele uh, city election officials, uh, according to local reports. So who knows, man? That's uh, kind of surprising. I didn't expect this to happen like this so fast, but... Uh, it's pretty cool news. Um, according to the Detroit News, the city council now has 30 days to pass the initiative into law, or it will be up to voters to pass it in November. So um, this was done. So I don't. I haven't read this bill, obviously. I know this was done in Detroit. I mean, in Denver a long time ago too. They passed mm -hmm. a thing where it was legal to have up to an ounce or whatever, and right. somehow preceded the medical thing, didn't it? It did, and but somehow also the state was able to basically knock somehow knock that down there. I don't remember all of the specifics, but if someone out there does know the 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 deal with that, please email us at canvasagenda@gmail.com. Let us know what exactly happened there. Uh, we talked about it one time on the show and did have kind of a good monologue on how how that occurred. But um, yeah, they did this in in uh, they did this in in uh, Denver. Looks like they're doing it. Here and uh, they're going to try and do it in Detroit too. Um, I have a feeling they'll have issues because it'll conflict with state law, and I know that state and local law is so intertwined because state pays for cops and you know courts and all that stuff too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Michigan though has been moving in the right direction, definitely as of late. I'd say. Absolutely. It's, uh, if they pass this, then Detroit will join the growing ranks of cities that are now taking it upon themselves to implement sensible marijuana laws in the absence of federal leadership. And hopefully we can keep uh, tight on the feds and try to change that part because that's why they have to go through all these pro processes um, just based on the kind of uh, falling down on the job of our federal representatives. Sleep at the wheel, dude. Like always. Oh yeah. Sleep Before we move wheel. on, I just want to give some credit to Mike Menu again. That was uh, another one of his blog posts that uh, I was reporting on. So 
Thanks to Mike. Cool. I got a story from Maine from the Bangor Daily News. Uh, apparently, Maine is not just going to be the state where you get your lobsters from anymore. If you live in Maine, medical marijuana is moving in the right direction there. Um, a bill was signed last week that's going to allow eight dispensaries to open up in the state. Uh, an additional bill was signed, a tax bill by Governor John Baldacci that um, decided that the state's going to collect sales tax from the dispensaries. So um, they are codifying in the process of codifying a medical marijuana program in Maine. Hopefully that moves forward well. Um, critics disagree on two points here. First, they don't believe that the eight dispensaries will be enough. There we go with the whole Walmart of pot thing. Will it be, or are these going to be huge lines, huge places? Um, maybe 80 would be better than eight, but that's, you know, I guess that's for every regulatory body to determine on their own. But um, that's the first criticism. The second criticism is that they don't believe cannabis should be subject to sales tax. This goes back to what we were talking about last week in Oakland. Um, Obviously, a company that produces medicine can be taxed on the income they make from selling medicine. Uh, I don't believe that we allow people to have a wholesale tax, but the income is taxed. Then, at retail level, throughout the federal government, ha- will not allow um, anyone to states to to put sales tax on prescription medications. However, they didn't say you can't do it to over-the-counter medications, and it looks like almost all of the states have enacted their own laws where they do put sales tax on over-the-counter medications. So the deal with cannabis in most medical marijuana states is that you don't get a prescription to it. You get a recommendation. So the dispute is whether or not it's a prescription drug. Or is it a new classification? It's a, a it's recommended a drug. One. Yes, it's a recommended <laughs> drug. So lawmakers claim, therefore, you can tax it since it's uh, allowed to be used via doctor recommendation instead of a prescription. I think this is uh, the proofs in the pudding. Kind of, they're hiding behind words, trying to determine here, you know, whether or not you can put sales tax on it. Um, I don't know. How, what do you think? If, if we, let's forget that it's recommended by a doctor. Do you think okay. that marijuana is a prescription medication, or is it more of an over-the-counter medication? I think it's a natural herb that people need to have access to, and I think that everything about it is normal except for the laws that are written up about it and the subsequent actions and you know negative results that, that occur as, as a direct in a direct causal relationship with the laws exclusively because of the laws. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think, I don't know. Well, I don't, think don't you think that marijuana is as safe as aspirin, Tylenol? I think it's safer because aspirin and Tylenol both kill a lot of people every year. So would you, and, uh, would you, would you feel safe allowing anyone of legal age to purchase marijuana um, in a store without any doctor recommendation or prescription? Wow, no way, not at all. I personally wouldn't. You would not. Would I, you don't. You don't. So think, it's safer. It's safer than aspirin and Tylenol. But you don't think anyone should over of legal age should be able to buy it. Oh, of legal age. I'm sorry. Yeah, I misheard. Yeah. I thought you said anyway. I was like, no way. I don't want a six year old kid to go. No, hey, no, no. Let's get some. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. We're 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 not. We're we're exempting the six year old from this conversation. Yeah, that just obviously makes this way too. 
Absolutely. It's totally. Okay. Okay. So then it sounds like we're leaning towards it being more of an over-the-counter recommend, I mean, over-the-counter drug and more of an acceptable recreational use. So I guess really when it comes down to it, I don't have a big problem with uh, states collecting sales tax at the retail level on on medical marijuana or on recreational marijuana. I I mean, you know, it seems like a... You know, as long as it's within reason. I don't want them to do this big, huge luxury tax thing and, you know, say, hey, well, this is what it was getting normally, so this is what we should do now, and the rest is goes up. I agree with that, and I think that we're going to have issues with that um, for a while. I think that... Um, like, you know, for instance, if we pass marijuana legalization in California, we're going to be allowing the state to regulate it, and they could go and do some dumb shit like that and, you know, enact some crazy tax that they've never even done, you know, some crazy windfall tax or something that they've never even done on any other industry. Like, there won't be precedence for it. But they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, you should just be lucky that we even allow you to smoke marijuana legally in the state and yeah. pay your taxes, you moron stoners, you know? And we're going to have to fight back to that. We're going to have to fight back to that just like we do with everything. And that's going to be part of the process and there will be crazy taxes and they'll try to justify them. Like, well, just be happy you can smoke dope, boy. And it's like, you know, sorry, but dude, but we're going to have fight. We're going to have to fight all those things. And hopefully, hopefully it's not as great. Hopefully they have some, you know, hopefully they, they're uh, every legislative body is going to be different about how they go about taxing it and regulating it. And hopefully places start getting it right. And then we can start pointing towards how they're doing it. And then, I mean, you know, even after legalization, we're going to have to have grass grassroots movements trying to make sure that this is regulated fairly. It's just, uh, it's just part of the trip, man. Well, all right. It's time for us to move from the East Coast to the West Coast and back into the land of fruits, nuts, and buds, Cannabis News from California. I'm totally not digging the segment name, so hey, um... Send us uh, send us your ideas on what we should uh, title our California cannabis news section here. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on in California, uh, huh, Jamie? You got some some info on some That's bills really that have passed and failed, uh, and this is all what Karen O'Keefe info from a- MPB. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This stuff comes from uh, Karen O'Keefe. She's the director of state policies. Um, for marijuana policy projects, so they're getting lots of props today. But we're appreciating all the good news and uh, information they're disseminating to us. So we can pass on to these folks um, the legislation, uh, the movement of of legislation in California is um, very active these days. Uh, California Senate approved downgrading marijuana possession um, recently. We've been covering on the show SB 1449, which would reclassify possession of under an ounce of cannabis from a misdemeanor to a civil infraction. Um, the penalty would remain a hundred, hundred dollar fine. Um, the bill, which, uh, it was sponsored by Mark Leno, uh, he or Leno, I'm sorry. He, uh, Obviously, I mean, if you're involved with cannabis reform or policy reform, uh, drug policy reform in general, probably you would know uh, Mark Leno as, as as a friend. He's been a longtime champion of sensible uh, cannabis policies. So um, this uh, this bill is now in the assembly and it will soon be assigned to a committee. So uh, if this gets through the assembly, then uh, I think that's going to be a good thing. That's uh that's my opinion. What do you? How do you feel about this uh, 1449? Is there an 
like a, a yuck, a nasty lining in there, or a, you know? No, 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 no. I think that this is. A, I think that this is a great step. This is another uh, movement uh, step towards further decriminalization. Um, in case you're not following what's going on here in California, in the mid mid 1970s, uh, California passed a law that made possession of less than one ounce of marijuana simply a, a citable misdemeanor, which means they write you a ticket. They take your marijuana, and you then go to court without going to jail, and you go to, through the court system, and typically you are given a misdemeanor, which can be expunged through social, you know, through whatever um, probation or work or whatever. It's typically most people, most people that get this just take the misdemeanor. And then it's expunged seven years later if it doesn't happen again or whatever. And so what this bill will do is – so we've been – so it's over over 30 years in California where that's been the case. And a lot of people that may be listening in Alabama are probably going, that's awesome! That's like legality! And it's not in California because we're all used to this and we all know people that have had their weed taken and now have misdemeanors. Now, there's a difference between when you get a speeding ticket and then you get a ticket for driving 55 miles over the speed limit. You can get a reckless driving for that. Reckless driving is a misdemeanor. Now, a speeding ticket is a speeding ticket. So now what we're talking about, what this bill essentially does, is it's like giving you a speeding ticket and you pay a $100 fine. I don't even know if they're going to take your pot from you anymore, but they're going to give you a ticket and no more misdemeanors. Um, so to me, that's a win. That's a step well, towards decriminalization, and I, and I, I think, think so. it's the right step. You know, um, the, I think the biggest thing, um, well, I think the, the, the most commonly touted positives about it are just that people will, they won't have to go to uh, appear before a judge for simple possession, and that it will save on a more community-based level, it will save a substantial amount of tax dollars because it won't want to process these people to the system. But I think that, in my opinion, and I, I'm echoing MPP here because their their opinions uh, are exactly congruent with what I'm saying here. They, I believe that it would stop uh, saddling low-level marijuana offenders with criminal records. That's the biggest thing about this because um, if you have a cannabis – well, we are just talking about uh, – Souter from Indiana, good riddance to that guy, um, you know, passing He's the out. Higher Education Act. Yeah. yeah, he is so gratefully out of there. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a part of it. I mean, it's the same. That's along the same lines. Um, this uh, this 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 problem with a, a criminal record for a cannabis-related offense will follow you for indefinitely. You know. And yeah. because it's a Schedule One offense, they do really they look at it really really serious, and it can cause you to lose jobs, lose all kinds of opportunities, have to jump through a ton of extra hoops for no reason at all. It's just you know it's a, it's a lot of neg uh, potential negatives that can come out of that. But you have to keep in mind here this SB fourteen forty nine. While a good thing, and we have both agreed, you know we think it's a good thing. Um, this bill is a step in the right direction, but making possession an infraction also has some downsides in that it would eliminate the right to a public defender and it would also eliminate the right to a jury trial. So why do you need it for an infraction though? Well, it depends on, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I guess, uh, why do you need that for an infraction? Cause an infraction isn't like a criminal issue. Why do you, I mean, you know, right. I don't know. 
Well, so then if you want to get out of it, if you want to get out of it, then you have to hire an attorney. You can't get a public defender if you can't afford one. Um, you sure. can't go to a jury trial trial where all your peers will go, no, he's he's innocent, let him go. But, that's, know, but I mean, it. I don't and know. If like, you not, have any prior offenses, that's when that would really come into play. Well, not getting, not getting a um, jury trial sucks. Uh, but um, the public offender thing, I don't know. Would you, in my in my mind, I guess what I'm thinking is, is I would rather be facing an infraction, fighting it by myself, or paying an attorney than facing a misdemeanor with a public defender that probably right. can't get me out of it anyway, unless my right. rights were totally, you know, trampled. So. Yeah. Um, so all in all, I think it's a it's a it's a little bit of a mixed bag. There are some things you give up, but like, as you pointed out, I think uh, I agree with you. It's not really that. Uh, in most cases, it will, it won't be that. that yeah. Huge of a right. Someone will be, it'll it'll totally screw someone over because of a unique circumstance that we can't think of right now. But it totally will, you know. Um, but hopefully, in the end, it's a utilitarian decision, and it does the most good for the most people. I kind of think that's what it's going to do. So. <laughs> What's up with AB twenty six fifty? What's that? What's that big big number letter thing all about? Yeah, the assembly uh, voted fifteen fifty four to fifteen to approve AB twenty six fifty in California, which would prohibit medical marijuana dispensing collectives from operating within six hundred feet of a school. Okay, um, and now moves this on is, to the Senate. This is one of the first since SB four twenty, which was. Um, uh, struck down not too long ago in high court. This is one of the first uh, assembly bills uh, relating to medical marijuana in California, I believe. Um, so this is a new statewide regulation that'll require you to be over 600 feet from a school. Any 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 sniff in this uh, article if they're going to grandfather current clubs in or not? That's uh, the part I was saving for you. I knew you would love this part of it. Um, before we get to that, though, this bill was sponsored by Assemblymember Joan Buchanan. She's a Democrat from Alamo. Um, it will usurp the authority of local cities and counties to set their own standards for medical cannabis. That's a big deal. But in addition, any restrictions on collectives um, should be accompanied by clearer recognition for the dispensaries. That's a good thing. Um, MPP and the, their allies, which I believe are probably all our allies as well, um, oppose this bill. They've uh, succeeded in making it less damaging, but uh, it's in its original form, the, the buffer was 1,000 feet, and several other locations uh, were included that were um, out. So, 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 no, so, nobody's, but, uh, so this, okay, so this bill it, then allows counties and municip municipalities to make their own decisions on regulation? Um, it usurps the authority of local cities and counties to set their own standards for medical cannabis. But 600 feet being the absolute maximum, so they can. So I'm confused. Yeah. So, so yeah. can Fresno say? Does this bill suggest that Fresno can say we're not allowing any cannabis clubs? Um, I don't know if they still have that. I don't know how that works. Um, as far as the 600 foot. Uh, logos. The AB 2650, I think, basically um, focuses on that part of it. And they. Um, so this it, is regarding I, I, only only in regards to distance from schools. That's it. I believe so. I believe so. Okay. That's the, okay. That's gotcha. The, uh, <laughs> the whole intent of this uh, assembly uh, bill was just. And to, uh, uh, I no think they moved one, it out. Okay. And no one gets grandfathered, obviously. 
No one gets grandfathered. Um, AB 2650 also now grandfathers in dispensaries that are in localities with pre-existing ordinances that are less strict. Okay. So if you, so if you had a, uh, yeah, in your city in had an ordinance better. that said you could be 500 feet and you're 520 feet away, then you're good is what, what <laughs> right. they're saying. Right. Oh. We're not going to come in and go, you know. We're not going to give you an inch. We're going to give you 100 feet. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, what were you saying earlier? You're saying in LA now there are only two clubs that can exist after all of this, dude. <laughs> Seriously, aren't uh, they moving towards the Walmart pot? I mean, you're know. you know, you're talking about earlier, isn't it? <laughs> Subject contradiction in terms. I know, uh, like the wall, or you know, big box of big buds, yeah. big box of the yeah. big buds, big box. Yeah. Hopefully, we don't have a. <laughs> Lowe's Cannabis Center. <laughs> Get your trimming machines and your bubble machines at the lowest cost, only at Lowe's. Um, hey, seriously, man, like if if uh, a lot of municip- municipal areas are going to use this as firepower to shut down um, existing clubs because a lot of clubs were in existence without licenses. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people out here doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, I don't mind setting guidelines as far as keeping things certain amount of feet from school. Uh, but if they start codifying too many things, like, I don't know, you can sell liquor within the vicinity of a residence and, or, you know, whatever. I think that if they start doing too much codifying, they can basically make it to where it's so limited for the sales that only the biggest baddest will get to be able to to continue existing, you know. And right. um, I'm not so sure if that's really a good thing for California. I think they that keep pushing it up, and it'll just keep pushing up, 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 up. More elite, more elite, more extract, you know, extracted away from the people, and then eventually Dupont will <laughs> control of one part of it, and the other will be what Monsanto. Right, yeah, and people, you know, this is one of those. Yeah, it goes through those fear of legalization even further. People are fearful that legalization will lead to this sort of regulation. Medical marijuana is leading to this sort of regulation in California. It's going to happen one way or the other. They're going to regulate it. They're going to get what they their vision is out of it. So here again, people, talk to your representatives. Tell them what you think about this. Tell them that you if you think that that it's good to keep writing in new regulations and keep you know uh, pot clubs further from residences and schools, etc. Et cetera, let them know. And if you don't, tell them that too, because uh, they're going to regulate this industry, not us. This is all businesses are regulated by the government, and they're going to keep doing things like this, passing bills like this. And um, it, you know, who knows if it's going to be a good thing or not? It's definitely going. They're definitely going to keep on regulating, though. There's absolutely yes, no question about it. Not always a good thing. Sometimes, uh, like you pointed out earlier in the show, uh, you take two steps forward, and then you're surprised when you realize you just took three steps back. So, yep. you know, you have to keep uh, pushing on. Um, there was an, an additional piece of legislation that, that finally saw its day in the Assembly um, in California last week. Uh, AB 1811 was uh, sponsored by Tom Amiano. Uh, he's a Democrat from San Francisco who policy reformers probably also know as a, a, a friend. Um, he uh, This... Uh, this bill, AB 1811, was voted down in the assembly. The bill would have allowed medical paraphernalia, or mar- I'm sorry, marijuana paraphernalia, um, to be knowingly sold for the medical use of cannabis. So, um, so sorry guys, you still your bong is still a water pipe. 
Seriously. Yeah, for, for tobacco products. <laughs> I, I remember when I was in Florida as a kid, man, and I'd go into a head shop and they'd be like, and you'd say the word bong, and they'd like grab you by your throat and pin you against the wall and then like throw you out of the store. Like, it's called a water pipe. <laughs> Dude. Uh, so it's not what it is, it's something else. Just remember that. <laughs> it's, it's not for pot, it's for tobacco. <laughs> Once again, even though 74% of the voters support allowing medical cannabis, the bill was defeated in a 33 to 36 vote with 12 members not voting. So God. A legislative so, update for California. Sweet, dude. So the next time I buy a pipe, man, I'll remember to tell everyone it's for tobacco. I promise. For tobacco per, yeah, I have uh, recently <laughs> went to a shop here in the state of Illinois, and boy, oh boy, I tell you what, man, they were looking around like they were on edge it was pretty don't even ask him about the product it's like what's that uh thing over there for using for tobacco products what do you i don't know what to say it's 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 i can't i uh it's you know you know what it is i can't can't, if i if i describe it i'm scared that they'll throw me in jail for teaching you how to use it yeah i couldn't even talk about it on talk about the show i couldn't do anything that i wanted to do because it was it was it was bizarre you know strange yeah uh please you can't even wear green clothes in here because like we're afraid that they may associate <laughs> they a, yeah a connection so <laughs> yeah I, I, I the one employee that you know we might do a, i might do a quick mention um of their shop it's a very uh old shop it's well known you know in the area so i mean i just really quickly say hey there's some good guys if you're ever here stop by a place and man oh man i thought the guy's head was going to fly off of his body and run down the street I just, oh my gosh. I thought, or, you know, maybe not. Maybe I won't mention it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm a little about those type of things. And, and, you know, there is a problem. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I don't care if I don't give a shit. Well, they say, they can say you have to burn alfalfa in it. I don't care. It is what it is, and I'm going to use it for what I'm using it for. What's the difference? You know, and I say, I say, there's a little bit of difference because how do these things work with cannabis? And it works differently because it burns differently and it has different types of resonation and uh, different things happen, you know, with cannabis and they can't talk about those things. So it's kind of a pain in the ass that shouldn't be there. But. It's like, it's like if I, you know, it's, it's like if someone's going to buy a sex toy and they're like, Hey, um, uh, so what's the deal with this dildo? And they're like, dildo, oh, you can't say that word. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. That's how I'm feeling about it. So, so, uh, yeah, I can't educate you on how to use dildos. I'm afraid they'll throw me in jail. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're a little uptight about that. And, uh, yeah, a little ridiculous, and it looks like uh, the city of Los Angeles is going to continue to be ridiculous, too. Today is doomsday for pot clubs in Los Angeles. We've been covering this story oh, for a long time, long time. Okay, today is the day for that. Today's the day. Um yeah, we've been covering this for a long time, people out there. Um, what's going on in Los Angeles? Well, a lot of marijuana is being sold, and consumed and there are a lot of people in los angeles so rightfully so um there are currently over 1000 uh clubs down there dispensaries um uh several months back i guess it's been probably about five months now since this ordinance passed um the los angeles passed an ordinance that uh is um had such strict guidelines 
that somewhere between 75 and 150 clubs will remain open, meaning of the 1,000-plus clubs, they're going to close almost eight out of nine clubs uh, because they do not fall within the zoning guidelines um, of the bill, similar to what we were just talking about in Colorado and, uh, you know, we're getting into the zoning thing, and and um, big problem with this is is that the as soon as medical marijuana was uh, approved, was voted here, the you know the government didn't go and set the guidelines from the beginning. They just let it pop up, and now what they're doing is retro retroactively closing people down because of um, falling within you know zoning guidelines. So here's the situation. Los Angeles. They had a date, and it was like a month and a half ago that they initially said was going to be the date when the things were going to close, when the clubs had to be closed if they weren't within the guidelines. Um, and then uh, it was pushed back to today. Who knows if they'll push it back again. Um, however, uh, a Los Angeles County Superior Court judge denied requests for a temporary restraining order that would have barred the city from enforcing the ordinance that will shut down hundreds of pot clubs. This is a cannabis news story. Um, the class action lawsuit was filed last week on behalf of patients. Um, they were claiming that the ordinance would un unconstitutionally prevent them from having access to their medicine. The lawsuit further claims that the ordinance will affect over 100,000 patients in the area, and the attorney showed a map of all the clubs that will probably get shut down as a result of the ordinance. Um, the judge claimed that there was no reason to issue the emergency order to stop the city from imp implementing the new law because patients can still grow their own marijuana, and there will still be an estimated, in his estimation, 137 shops which will remain open. Perhaps that came from the map, too. I'm not sure. It's around the number that we're looking at, though, somewhere between 75 and 150. Um, the judge said, quote, I believe access to medical marijuana is supposed to be limited. It is not supposed to be freely available on the street to anyone who wants it. That was the intention of the people. However, the judge did say that patients may have proper grounds to ask for an injunction based on their privacy rights because the ordinance says police will be able to obtain collectives, patient lists, and doctor's recommendations without a warrant. Today is a day that many of, is as many as 9 out of 10 pot clubs in L.A. could potentially have to close their doors. I got a bunch of questions relating to this. How is the city going to enforce the ordinance? Who will they choose to close first and why? Mm -hmm. This begs the question again that a lot of our things beg. Can a pot club be a good neighbor? And how is this going to affect medical, the, the overall marijuana market in California? And also, how the hell do I get my hand on that map? I think it would be so interesting to see like, where... Get it and post it on the site. I know, and I'm wondering if, since it was in court, if I can find it somehow through Los Angeles court documents. If anyone's out there listening and you're really good at this sort of stuff, please find this map and, and, and get it to us. Um, and if you're in L.A. and you know an owner who's going to get shut down or anything, get them and hold it. We'd love to talk to someone. We'd love to hear firsthand from someone um, how this is going to affect them, because this, this is a huge thing. So I, 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 you jumped in on one question. I said... Can a pot club be a good neighbor? And you've immediately responded. You think you, you, yes. you think they can, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, because there's absolutely no difference between, difference between them and any other neighbor. And this, this, this thing about people hanging around it like it's a crack house or something is absolutely baloney. 
It's it's nonsensical. It's fear-based crap that they try to push on us in every other you know way in, is, involving these type of issues. That's just I don't I don't buy it at all. I think if you go, hi, how are you today? Great to see you, Mrs. Whoever, or hey, Joe at the shop next door. How's it going today? Good to, good to meet you, or good to see you. And you go in and you mind your own business and you don't cause problems and if you like have some great food or something you got a bunch you might step next door and go hey joe i just wondered you know i got this great stuff you want to have try some or you know you're just a good business neighbor you don't bring trouble you're a decent you know positive person and your establishments run well what's the freaking difference if you have cannabis there or not you know barring that one instance that whole fear tactic nonsensical thing where there's just people hanging out like it's a big crack house and there's laying on the sidewalk and all you know all that stuff that's that's controllable pretty easily really so i mean it's a non-issue and you know since that's out of the picture yeah i think absolutely 100 percent cannabis uh uh anything related to cannabis you know in a, in a storefront can be a, a really good neighbor as good as anybody else maybe even better than most like my, a good neighbor opinion. getting stoned i believe that it's good dude i believe that that, that pot clubs can be good i believe they can be bad but so mm-hmm. can people People can be bad neighbors. Uh, an auto shop can be a bad neighbor. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, it's just up to it, it's just like anything, you know. Anyone can be bad. It, it be a bad neighbor if you actually are a bad neighbor, then perhaps you should be booted out of the neighborhood. But that's up right. for communities to decide. That's up for people that I mean, you know, that's up for people that that live in the area to determine. Um, I don't. I think this idea that they're they're all bad neighbors, or that you know we need to restrict them differently than other things, is is kind of crazy. It's kind of I don't know. It's just kind of. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, let's put it this way: when I go through a city and all I see in an area is strip club, strip club, porn shop, porn shop, strip club, strip club, porn shop, it's kind of gross, you know, and it's a little, it's it's tacky, and you know, like. Um, I'm personally kind of like, I don't know, just kind of think that's kind of gross, you know? And mm-hmm. if I went through a city and it was like pot club, pot club, uh, gross store, gross store, pot club, pot club, gross store, gross store, I'd be like, well, that's kind of weird, you know? What's the deal with that? I'm not so feeling like that's the way it should be either. Because, like, I don't know. I think that pot clubs could be spread out. I don't think that them, like, pushing – what they're, it sounds like what they're doing is, like, trying to, like, push everything into certain zones, like, to where this will be the – this is the strip club zone, and this is the pot club zone. And they don't do that with alcohol, you know? And, no. like, so, so for me, it just seems highly hypocritical, again, because I know that marijuana is safer than alcohol for society and government to promote alcohol use to the extent that they do while they try and – make us into these like vibe I don't know I don't even have a word we're like the enemy the pot clubs where people promote like a peaceful medicine and recreation you know it's it's just mm-hmm. to me it makes no sense that that they don't they don't um regulate booze to the extent they're consider considering actually regulating weed like chill out you know further I'd say we agree there Pot clubs can yeah. definitely be good neighbors. Um, 100%. If they're going to close 800 hey. clubs, they're not going to do it all today, obviously. You know Maybe what? Can, what's up? Is it okay? Can I? I would love to have a third opinion on this. Yeah. Um, Cog, Cogs, are you there? Can you chime in on this? What do you think, um, my friend? Can can a can a cannabis dispensary be a good neighbor? Oh yeah, I don't see any reason why not. I th- I think there are good examples of this already. 
Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to the, the, the dispensary down there in, in Eureka, the Hummingbird, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice little place. It's not a hole in the wall. They put a, you know, put a lot of care into making it, um, you know, sure. making it pleasant. Uh, it's, it's, certainly looks better in a bar would there. Um, right. And you know what? I, I would say without a doubt there are probably some dispensaries that actually take some of their money and help the community or help in, in cert, for certain causes that are not just cannabis policy related and stuff. No, yeah, what's like, your what's your experience down in the Bay Area? Bay Area, they do blood drives and all sorts of other um, you know health related stuff within within these um, within some of these clubs and stuff. So yeah, I mean, um, I've been to clubs that are hole in the walls and. They have like a Jimi Hendrix poster and a lava lamp, and then I've been to ones that feel like you know pristine pharmacies and are very clean, and then I've been to places that feel like you're walking into a Buddhist temple or something. And like, I mean, the ambiance changes from every place to every place, but in general, most places want their place to feel professional. In Los Angeles, they have a certain amount of them that aren't professional. But at the same time, it's not that they're not peaceful. They just happen to be less, you know, like of the serene sort of feel. But like, Should they uh, go? No. No, they uh, shouldn't go. The only okay. people that should go are people that are um, stealing, uh, the people that are ripping off their vendors, the people that are... Um, Running nefarious activities. Yeah, yeah. If they've got guns, they should go. Um, I'm I'm personally at the point where I would be happy if they grandfather everyone in that's in now, and they start with their new regulations. And then you know, I mean, inevitably, what happens is is some of these businesses will close because they won't be able to compete because they won't be financially sound enough or they won't be managed correctly or whatever, whatever. And you know, really, what the deal is here is they want to get they want to get their hands on the taxes, you know, and um, uh, it'll generate be, some too. Yeah, it'll be easier with fewer shops. It's just you know, Los Angeles is a very crowded place. And if now, if you used to only have to drive one mile to get to a club, and now you have to drive seven miles to get to a club, that sure. could be two hours of your day rather than twenty minutes of your day. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, that's, um, a, that's a big consideration. I mean, for a lot of people, I, you know, I, I mean, for me, I mean, you can't. It, it. I just, I don't know. I think that they need to chill out a little bit. And look at how they treat alcohol, how they treat pharmacies, how they treat coffee, how they treat tobacco, and give, mar- give marijuana a similar chance. I mean, you know, that's, I think that's what's best, best for the economy, and I think that's what's most fair from, like, a philosophical standpoint. You know, I don't know. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Can you imagine eventually somebody, like, moving <laughs> so they can be closer to the dispensary? Right. I used to live down there in Shanesworthville, and then I uh, I had to get over here because that was two hours to the damn dispensary. We <laughs> <laughs> so got a nice place right near the park, right next to the next to the building. Yeah, of course, and then in, it, in Arizona, you'll probably have people moving away from dispensaries so that they can grow. <laughs> so right? they can grow, yeah. Yeah. The, the, what? what we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the efficacy, like 
effectively growing your own cannabis and, and the medical process and all that stuff today. And you know what I think it all comes down to? What? It, two words, I think. Lighting technology. As soon as we can get uh, like LED type lights that will work as good as the Thowie watt, like metal halides or, you know, mm. whatever. Um, yeah. That's going to change the whole, everything is going to change. Everything is going to change. Because it's it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people to be able to grow, you know, and it shows up really easy when you got like all of a sudden a six hundred and forty dollar electric bill. Well, you know? I, I you know what comes down to me too here is I'm not buying it. I don't buy that. You can grow your own medicine, everyone. I mean, yeah, you can make your own beer. You could make your well, own. Think you about could grow it. What what if you had an yeah. LED that didn't use a lot of much electricity, like a lamp, like a regular house lamp did, and it didn't generate this big heat signal, and it grew great, fantastic buds? Would man, you could just well, I mean, and you live in a state that's not legal. We'd have better technology then to grow pot with is all we would have, and you'd still have people that want to produce it commercially, and you'd still have the majority, ninety nine percent of consumers wanting to be able to go somewhere and purchase it. It's never going to change with any commodity. I mean, you could go in your little, you know, 10-foot backyard and farm all of your lettuce all summer long, but you don't, you know. Some people do, but I mean, not everyone does. And you don't make your own beer, and you don't, you know, you don't sew your own clothes, you know. People do these things as hobbies, and then some people do them as hobbies, and then some people do them as professions. And marijuana is just the same to say that, Everyone has access because they can grow it. Not everyone's going to grow really good weed, and if they yeah. do, you can't get the the diversity that's out there. So you grow your one type, and like what? You're supposed to sit around and puff on the same sort of gongs the rest of your life? I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm not – I don't well, buy that. people aren't able physically or even like mentally or emotionally to really actually, you know, grow their own weed. That's why they have the care. Take, you know, oh yeah, take. and I want to and I want to point something out to these judges that don't know anything about growing pot. It is not easy. It's not easy. Mm. You know no. how many people go flat broke because they think they're going to move to a state that has medical marijuana and it's like, oh, I'm just going to grow this weed, man. It's going to be so easy. I'm going to put all my life savings. Oh my God, it's, what are the oh what are these bugs and these bugs and what's that shit oh. growing in my weed? And oh my God, I killed it. And I mean, it's not. It's really not the easiest thing in the world to do. And once there is competition Spider you mites. can even you can even grow it and not have a good product just because you grow pot doesn't mean you're growing something sellable that people are going to want to use recreationally or medicinally it's a crazy crazy thing to tell people hey just grow your own it's so easy and that'll be the way you medicate yourself no i, I, no, I really i don't believe that's I recall, the easiest way i recall standing over some lovely plants well they used to be and and gritting my teeth really hard when I was back in Humboldt and seeing friggin' spider mites. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. thought I was gonna like spontaneously combust. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I so yeah. hated spider mites at that point. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. That can happen, and you know, there's a lot of stuff. And if, if you a, want it to be healthy and clean, it, it's going to be more expensive and take longer and require more work. <laughs> and to require a lot of education, man. People really have to learn to do this stuff. It's, uh, you know, and that's what's so special. So let's let's move on to the nugget today. It's time sure. for your yeah. n- n- nugget. So I'm I'm talking about the Emerald Triangle here, and that's what's so neat about the Emerald Triangle is it is a place where a lot of information has been passed along from generation to generation in order to help a lot of people learn to grow 
really good wheat. Now, there's a lot of people up here, too, that don't grow good wheat. They just grow weed, and they put a lot of crappy product out there. But I truly believe that the very best marijuana in the world comes from the Emerald Triangle. And I'm working on – this is an ongoing piece. It's going to be a piece that I'm going to try to get published and everything as a, as a decent-sized uh, layout. Um, and I'm titling it Shades of Gray, Why the Emerald Triangle Won't Go Green. And um, what I'm going to preface it here for you all as is it's a story that I'm writing about why the Emerald Triangle, which if you don't know, is Mendocino County, Humboldt County, and Trinity County in Northern California, big, the yeah. biggest, biggest, biggest marijuana producers in the, in the nation. And um, what I'm writing about is why we're going to vote heavily against the legalization initiative on the ballot in November. Mm-hmm. So – here is the thing. I think that I think that like for instance Humboldt County is going to be heavily in the no on mm-hmm. this issue and I think they will be as heavy if not heavier towards the no side than even the most conservative counties in the state. I think we could be yeah. be bigger no. And it's obvious why because we're looking out for our self-interest. And as I have told listeners before, but you'd have to dig now and you may be a new listener, I'm still up in the air about this bill because I know so many people who work in this industry and it could make it a little bit tougher and a little bit more competitive on them. So I still haven't decided if I'm voting yes, although I do want to tell you as of now, I am about 75% sure that I am voting yes on this bill in, in, mm-hmm. in November. So yeah. That's what I'm doing. But one thing that I do want to make clear is even though the Emerald Triangle may have a big fat no, we are a t- even though we produce a lot of the, the of the herb that's in the the market in in California, we are a tiny percentage of the voting block. And the majority of people voting on this are not people working at dispensaries. They're not people growing weed. They're people that use marijuana, and they're people that don't use marijuana. So those people don't care if it's going to make it more difficult for us up here to make money. They're not thinking about the fact that we have to – change the way we organize things and become more of a legitimate business structure. And that's going to make it hard on us at first. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking, should marijuana be legal? Should it be regulated? And should it be taxed? Yeah. They're thinking states make money. Yes. And they're thinking, yeah, I think marijuana should be legal. You know, that's that's it. That's what they're thinking. I mean, I've met some non-smokers in San Jose playing golf two weeks ago that were telling me, yeah, marijuana is going to be legal. It's going to be legal soon. It's going to be legal soon. And they're non-users. You know what I mean? And um, I think a lot of them believe it's a silly issue and they should stop throwing money at it. Right. Um, and we're at now, I mean, and the public polls now are showing like as much as 49%. There's some differing polls, but no pu- public opinion poll shows this bill not having at least 48% support from registered voters. Some show as high as 49% with as much as 10% undecided still. But those numbers are looking, I mean, I've I worked in a polling agency and I've been paying attention to campaign politics for years. Typically, if something has 48 to 49 percent support around this time, 
it's got a really, really high chance of passing. So it's not a secret that scoring a good bag of dope in California is simple for almost anyone. It's very easy. Um, legalization of marijuana is definitely much, much, much bigger than what we have currently, which is a medical system and a de decriminalization system in California. Um, decriminalization simply legalizes uh, the possession of small amounts of marijuana, um, or it doesn't even legalize it in some cases. It just means you get a misdemeanor or an infraction or whatever. That's a form of decriminalization. Um, decriminalization in no way eliminates the underground market, and it does not make it easy for the government to collect any sort of taxation. Uh, the medical industry is a little bit closer to um, legalizing marijuana, um, but it still leaves a lot of legal gray area um, to collect revenue And in comparison to full-on legalization where you can codify taxes and regulations and um, the, remove the gray area. So technically, if we pass this in um, – in November, it's going to change two things mostly. First, it's going to make it to where anyone over the age of 21 will easily be able to purchase marijuana, which is already the case, but it'll be even more easy with a bigger legitimate market where taxes will be able to be collected by the state. Anyone over 21, you won't need your, you won't need a script anymore. You won't have to pay a doctor. You won't have to wait. You won't have to potentially get busted while you're in between periods of having your script done or whatever. You'll actually be able to buy cannabis just because you're over 21 years old, and that will be for anyone over 21, not just California residents. Second, it will eventually remove all of the legal. Oh wait, 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 wait. What? Stop a second. What? Did you just say? So I get this right. If somebody wants to come visit California. Bingo. So that's going to create a, an insanely enormous industry. Tourist. I mean, we already have a huge tourism industry. That's but like now... the world's hugest, unimaginable, gi ginormous Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. It's a big-ass state, dude, and it's one big, huge Amsterdam. And it already okay. is. It's just now it's we'll be right. able to, to collect money from, from tourists for pot easier. Now tourists have to go to underground sales, and none of that money is given to the state. I wasn't clear on that aspect of this, of this initiative. I didn't realize yeah. that part. That's, yeah. that's enormous. Well, see, what I think is going to happen is that it's going to come down to – because you're right. This is right on the fence. But I think it's going to come down to who has the most money to throw at this thing from here to the end, to, from here to November. Oh, and, meant, to bring uh, up, meant to bring this up. Oh, I'll bring this up in the rest. You're absolutely right. And it's going to – The feds the most have billion-dollar – like. Oh, yeah. like you know, signed blank checks written to them for tens of billions, even more, maybe even hundreds of billions for just sure. this one instance, because this would change the face of how cannabis is, is uh, treated in the, in the country, in the nation. I mean, yeah. that is that is huge. You're totally huge. right, man. You're, you're right. You're right. And uh, it's going to be you. Kill Kurkowski, as we're trying to learn how to say this guy's name. He, uh, he will be there, buddy. With yeah. added wallets and oh, lots of help. Oh yeah, there's lots of there. There will be a lot of money. There will be far more money thrown at the no side of this over after as soon as this mid as soon as our uh, primary election's over, the ad the reefer madness will begin and it'll be televised. Chaos. It, <laughs> yeah. Know. 
It's going to be insane, and they're going to spend fat money on it in Colorado and fat money on it in California. And all we're trying to do is remove the legal gray area and pay taxes and have a regulated system and stop throwing people in jail for growing, for wanting to be in the business, and for using cannabis simply. Um, there's a lot of people in this industry up here that don't want to pass it because it removes the gray area, because it is very lucrative to remain in that gray area, because it's like, hey, it's legal for you to do this, but you don't have to pay your taxes, or you don't have to run businesses, or you don't have to put your money through a bank account and all that. Grow <clears throat> Growers fear that legalization will remove all the gray area that currently exists within this industry, and it will invite superior competition into the mix, which many fear will push them out of the business. This is one of the big fears up here. And i got to tell you, this is already happening. It happens in yeah. any industry is rich people have a fucking advantage from the beginning, and that's already happening right. in the marijuana industry in California. Yeah. And people that aren't good at it are getting pushed out, and people People that don't have enough money to maintain cash flow through tough sales periods are getting pushed out. And that's and the people that do have the money are growing more, selling more, keeping the cash flow, and it's occurring already in even our medical industry. So to step a little bit further into legalization, I don't know that it's going to change what's already happening. I mean, I think California is already in that step of moving it to where it's a slightly bigger business model. Um, but, um, I don't know, uh, it's become really competitive and people are, are moving out in the last 10 days. I've talked to four different people who are considering leaving the business and it's, you know, it's simp quite simply put, it's just not as easy as it used to be. It used to be really easy to grow marijuana and make money because not a lot of people were doing it. And so it was like, it didn't matter what quality you had or anything. As long as you had marijuana, it was easy. It's not like that anymore. Now there's real people competing in this business and it's just part of any business that anyone has to get used to. <clears throat> um, okay. So I had I interviewed another grower recently and they were telling in this area, but someone that's going to vote no on the bill. And they were telling me I'm voting no because I think decriminalization is better than legalization. And, um, I, so, so then I say, really? Really, it's better? And, be, and they say, and I say, why? And they say, because it'll keep big business out of the pot industry. Okay. Contrary. Oh, okay. I think big business is already in the pot industry. Everyone points oh, to, well, big tobacco's not in it yet. And I'm like, yeah, big tobacco's really? not in it yet, but that doesn't mean that big business isn't in it. Uh, Who owns big tobacco? I don't think big tobacco owns big tobacco anymore, do they? I think it's like some huge mega corporation that's above that that owns those companies. And I guarantee you, if you want to see how they spend their money in this upcoming election, they're going to spend their money on the fat. No, everyone assumes that yeah. tobacco is just ready Pharmaceutical to jump into tomorrow, but they're not. They're going to spend money against yeah. us because smoking weed could be an alternative to their business. Tobacco. Right. Absolutely. Pharmaceutical com companies are the richest companies on the planet, buddy, and they're going to throw tons of cash at this one. You know, just things to be prepared for. Yeah. Just because big tobacco is not involved doesn't mean that big business isn't already involved. Wealthy like weed too, man. They're in it. They're here. They're yep. smoking weed. They're growing it. They're selling it. You're competing with them already. And it's going to profit even more. 
they do. They do. And then I interviewed another grower and pretty simply, a lot of growers just don't want to pay taxes. He, this guy told me that he, he stopped, first of all, this is a guy I know, and he stopped putting all of his buds in one bag. He now has returned to a part-time job in his uh, other field of work that he works in related to his degree and stuff, which is probably good for him. And in this economy, I recommend to most people to have two streams of income because you never know when something's going to get pulled out from underneath you. When I asked him about legalization, he said simply and bluntly, I don't want it to be legal because then the government will get their hands on it. They already tax mm -hmm. everything else. I don't want to pay taxes for pot. Yeah. How much would that be? What do you think? I don't know. It's I, well, I mean, we're, state, okay, well, think about how many people have been in this business for how long and haven't paid any taxes on any of that income they've made. Hey, wait, though. What, what are we talking on pre-tax price, like for uh, OZ? Well, we're not – okay, first of all, we better not be talking about taxes in that sort of fashion. We should be talking about income tax on on – I mean, okay, here's, here's what's going on with this bill. I've gotten a lot of pushback from people about the November ballot because they say it should precisely spell out exactly how it's going to be regulated and taxed. And although I agree a lot of initiatives regarding marijuana policy are too vague, I don't agree with this one. This is simply us just saying we want California to have a legal cannabis industry, and then we're leaving it in the hands of our government to properly tax and regulate, just like every other industry. Right. Voters do not decide exactly how things are taxed and regulated. Our elected officials do that, and that's yeah. why we elect them. That's what their job is. They're lawmakers. And, and, and although it can get things out of sorts, we cannot if, – if we legalize weed and then our government imposes crazy taxes on us on it, we have to fight back against that, and that's what will be next. Hopefully there's not a per-ounce fee. Hopefully they can't say, we're going to – as a business, we're going to take, take, uh, take taxes from you based on your bulk. They should be taking taxes from you based on your income like other businesses do, like – I'm a business. I have expenses. I can write off all my expenses, and then I have my sales. They, I, if they should not be able to take a wholesale tax. Wholesalers aren't subject to tax to sales tax on wholesale. They should not have a per pound tax. They should have a tax on my profit. That's what they should tax. And then they should take sales tax at the retail level, just like all other things. If they do it any differently than that, it's unfair. And it's once again them going, well, you should just be happy that we're allowing you to do this. And I think that's bullshit. So there's where we're at. That's what we're getting to. Um, I'm still leaning towards voting yes on this, but I'm still heavily empathetic to all my brothers and sisters in the industry. Um, however, I don't know. I guess I can't. I can't be too empathetic to, well, I don't want to be more organized and, well, I don't want to pay taxes and, well, I don't want to compete. You know, I don't know right. that I can really support those things. And that's what everyone's really saying to me. So that's how I'm feeling, Jamie. What do you think? What do you yeah, think, man? Right I just on, went man. on a, I just went on a freaking soapbox. Hey, you know what I did? I did what I always do. I just took out a surfboard and rode the wave. And that was pretty awesome, actually. I thought those were some good, good thoughts. And, uh, I, I agree. I, I don't envy that being in that position, you know. But are you strongly, uh, kind of in favor so far 
Or well, here, are you here's, put here's it on how the fence? I. I'm I'm no I'm 75 I'm over 75% sure I'm going to vote yes on it and my yeah. stance is kind of leaning towards I'm going to vote yes on it because I feel like I have a moral obligation to and I'm prepared to be organized and professional but at the same time it's like I'm I'm going to vote yes on it but maybe I'm going to kind of hope that it fails so that People I know and love will have more time to prepare for this, but I inevitably believe that marijuana should be legal and treated like any other commodity and, you know, given its fair chance at being a a competing product in society legally, you know? So for me to be selfish would be like being George Bush, who I've bitched about forever and how they treat oil and their special interests. And just because it's going to make it, you know, just because it means that, that a lot of people I know will be taxed less and will have more time, whatnot, doesn't mean that it's right. You know what I mean? To, to vote against it just because, well, it'll be easier for me. I don't believe that. I think marijuana should be legal. I don't think people should go to jail for using it or for producing it. And um, Right on. You know, that's how I'm, that's how I'm leaning. I'm 75% in the yes camp. <coughs> Pardon me. You know what? I don't right know now. if I would be that far in the yes camp if I was over there. I'm glad I'm, I'm like I say, I'm glad I'm not having to be faced with that choice because I was reflecting on that yesterday and I thought, geez, what would I do? I don't really, I was torn. It was like ugly quagmire after about 15 minutes of struggling going, I don't know. I think this is really strong, but also this and this and, you know, it's like, it was turmoil complete turmoil so yeah yeah, it occurred to me what a tough thing for some people to decide i mean it's i don't know there's pros and cons that are so distinct yeah i don't get it i want to know what the cons are i really do i want to know i want someone to prove to me that a con is actually truthful and then i will uh go and i'll you prove to me that a con is truthful and i'll lean back towards the no camp but so far they've all been not true. Pretty much everything has been not true. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not following it. And, uh, that's what you people are out there for. I know sure. someone's listening. I know Let someone know wants, think. yeah, I know someone wants to vote no. And I want to know why. And I want to, and, and, and I, you know, I'm, I listen. I want to know because I want to find out for myself. If you can, provide me with a gateway to voting no on legalizing cannabis, please do so. But um, it's tough because I just haven't been able to really find any truth in any of the the cons for legalizing cannabis in California. So, you know, but uh, that kind of wraps up our episode for today, people. Um, Again, want to let you know that we know you're listening. (laughs) We don't know who you are. We want to know who you are. We want to know who you think. We're giving away a free copy of Reefer Madness to the first person that emails us that we do not know. So dad, um, even though my mom doesn't listen, friends, any of you guys that are out there listening because, well, I've asked you to, you don't count. Um, this is for <laughs> new listeners. Please email us. Our first listener to contact us is going to get a free copy of Reefer Madness. Um, you can check us out at www.cannabisagenda.com where you can find links to our Twitter accounts. You can find links to our Facebook account. Um, you can also give us a call, leave a message at 707-654-CAN, which is C-A-N-N. And am I missing anything? Is that all the contacts? I think so. I think you pretty much covered 
covered it. Awesome. Well, till next time, people. Peace and pot. Mm-hmm. Take care. We'll talk to you later. source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.